Hey, Dog Speak Geeks. Do you ever feel frustrated? Well, your dog does. Frustration occurs when an animal is interrupted in reaching their goals. Unfortunately, this occurs all too often in the modern world when a dog's goals do not align with those of their human companion. This can be a source of distress for both you and your dog, but it can also lead to the development of problem behaviors and can damage the relationship that you have with your dog. But we have answers for you. Join us for a two-day in-person seminar October 5th and 6th with instruction by Daniel Shaw. Daniel Shaw is an animal behaviorist with a background in animal behavior, psychology, and neuroscience. He will be talking about what frustration is and how it can be identified, the difficulty of conventional approaches in resolving frustration, what influences the value of rewards, as well as supporting frustrated dogs and building frustration tolerance. You can buy early bird tickets now until August the 5th, and be sure that you join us for our pre-seminar social Friday evening where you can meet Daniel and the Dog Speak team. We look forward to seeing you October 5th and 6th in Nashville, Tennessee for the Neuroscience of Resolving Frustration in Dogs seminar. Hey, Dog Speak Geeks. Hope you're having a wonderful week so far. Nikki here, all by myself for today's episode. Um, so, sorry, it's just going to be me, but we do have a couple of guests coming up these next couple of weeks we're really excited about, and I think you're going to like it. So, I want to just kind of give you a little update on things that are happening and taking place. Uh, there are some changes being made here at Dog Speak. Uh, so I'm not sure how much you'll hear from Brittany um, from now on. Uh, she's just so busy with work. And if we want to continue getting these things out consistently, um, we may be having to put someone else in that seat. Or you may be having to just listen to me by yourself um, on those weeks that I don't have a guest. Uh, so, you know, we're working on some things and trying to figure some things out. We have some new classes coming up. Uh, we do have um, a lot of wonderful opportunities for training and coming together um, as Dog Speak Geek. So just check out the website for all of that. I have been trying to really spread good messages and to educate more and more across the board for more than just the podcast. I'm trying to, to really work on putting good social media content out. Gray has been working on some videos. We've done some recordings. It takes time to edit and do those things. And because we are having to do those things ourselves, and we're really busy working with people and their dogs, it's just taking a little time. But we know how important it is to get information out there that people need uh, to really combat some of the really, really bad information that is out there. So if you've been following us on TikTok, um, I'm trying to put some more information there. We do have our YouTube channel. Gray is doing a great job at, at getting the videos done there. And um, I have been, oh Lord help me, I have been on TikTok. And I, when I started with TikTok, I would not look at dog training videos. I would not follow people with dog training videos. I'm not going to do it. 
And I really just wanted it for, just for fun, truly. And it seems that so many people are using it these days, and I'm starting to see more and more dog training videos come out of TikTok. So I've been on there and starting to put more content for Dog Speak because I need to combat some of these issues that we're seeing on TikTok. And not only is there information being spread that's infuriating, but there's also information being spread that's very dangerous and absolutely does not take in the welfare of the dog. And it seems like that we thought TikTok was, you know, used for people that needed attention before. Um, I, I don't say that now. I, I think that it's a great opportunity to share information and have fun and connect with people. But the information that's coming out is really scary. And I, I feel like a lot of these people are just trying to throw their ego around. And I'm, I'm really struggling. Today has been a really kind of a frustrating day because I wanted to dive a little bit deeper and on the dog trainers on TikTok and I wish I hadn't have. I really feel like for so long we fought for the welfare of dogs and knowing that we had better ways to teach them how to live in this world and I feel like we were making such headway and then we just lost it and aversive training is back hard I mean I say back it never went anywhere but it's getting pushed and it's it's just amazing to me how I mean we're already so divided in the United States uh, with just life going on right now Um, we are just every every chance someone has to fight about something they're going to fight and it just feels like that no one has any type of patience for someone with a different opinion if the opinion is valid and this is where I'm finding that by posting and doing stitches with certain videos you get some really negative comments not surprising Um, but it really kind of made me start thinking about you know what this might be a really good episode let's talk about some of the things that I've seen on there and heard people say and kind of you know give you the truth about it because there's a lot of really bad advice, really bad old myths that are being spread. And glorifying the use of a shock collar and prong collar is, well, disgusting. Um, so for me, I've, I still feel like it's, it's abusive. I think that is why that uh, so many countries have banned shock collars. You heard that right. There are countries that have banned the use of shock collars because they know the science behind it. Um, I literally had this one guy, um, it's always my favorite, you know, a guy with the Cane Corso after I'd made a, a stitch on a guy who wanted to put down positive reinforcement trainers that we can't fix things with rainbows and lollipops and stuff and he was bragging about having a shock collar on a six-month-old dog and and I made a comment on there and, and really kind of gave him pieces to think about uh, with his comments and how he's basically said that you had to basically give some yin and yang you had to have some good and bad in other words you had to have correction and praise and um 
you know, so I just went on and, and helped to explain to other people how that is not a truthful statement. So, of course, it never fails that I get a comment from some man with a tough breed telling me that I should try that positive reinforcement with a human aggression Malinois. And why they always pick the Malinois as the aggressors, I'm not sure. Um, I mean, this guy had a Cane Corso. Uh, they are a pretty aggressive breed. But I, so I kind of started with this guy and responding back. And I thought, well, you know, I'm, I'm probably not going to change his mind or educate him. But when I saw the comments from his followers and how many followers, I was kind of sick to my stomach because I, f- I just felt like we were making such headway. And here this guy is getting praised for using aversive techniques on his dog when there are better ways to do it. And then, and then using every excuse in the book to continue using a shock collar on his dog. I, I don't recommend that you, if you're not a TikToker, I don't recommend you get on there. I don't recommend you go to my page and watch it. It's in, it can be infuriating, um, infuriating, and you, you don't have to do that. You don't need to 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 put yourself through it. Um, but I would stop watching dog trainers unless you look up no shock or positive dog trainers, something of that nature. I'm not going to mention these people, but I do want to mention about some of the things that I'm seeing them spout. Um, the first uh, is. Again, my favorite is them saying, I have to use a shock collar for certain things. Um, And this is my reasoning behind it. So I I would want to talk about this. So this was a really interesting comment that he made as he said that um, the reason that he has a shock collar on his dog in public is because of something that positive reinforcement, fear-free, force-free trainers refuse to talk about or just won't talk about. And that is what he called auditory exclusion. Now, what he's saying is that there are times that a dog has auditory exclusion and cannot hear the owner or anything for that matter, I guess. And in order to snap the dog out of it, he uses the shock collar. That's the only thing you can do. So when the dog is far enough away, you got to have a physical connection because it's the only way to snap them out of auditory exclusion. They can't hear you. So I want to explain to you guys, if you've not watched it, what he's talking about. So he had it half right. Um, he talked about that this happens in a fight or flight mode, but he also used examples of it. It may happen when your dog is looking at a squirrel or sniffing a spot on the ground or fixated on something else. And so what he was basically saying was his, his dog, when it was fixated on say a squirrel or sniffing on the ground um, and I couldn't get the dog to hear him, he would have to use the shock collar because the dog obviously had um, this issue of auditory exclusion. So I want to explain that what he's talking about is during fight or flight, uh, when there is a perceived threat, the brain gets prepared on how to deal with it uh, with a dumping of cortisol and adrenaline. And literally at those times, your dog cannot be responsive 
And that's why you have kind of the reactivity and where the dog checks out. Uh, because during that perceived flight, the brain releases chemicals that, that creates this issue of non-responsiveness. However, what he's talking about, well, and let me go back on this. What we call that is over-threshold. So what he's saying is this is the result of, he says, fight or flight and then being fixated on something, which are two different things. And so, <laughs> sorry, I just, it just amazes me at some of the shit these people come up with. And they truly, I don't know if they truly believe it or they're just really good at bullshitting. But what happens is, yeah, the dog can't be responsive and that's called over threshold. And so the only way to get the dog kind of to begin the process of coming down from that is to get them out of that environment and get them out of um, the trigger zone. And we've talked about that a lot. Um, what he's claiming is that he has to have some type of physical connection or correction to snap the dog out of it. But because it is a release of chemicals in the brain, there is no snapping the dog out of it. The, the chemicals aren't going anywhere for a while. So all we can do is help the dog start the decompression, but the dog is still has a lot of those chemicals in the brain. So they still may not be responsive even when you get them out of the trigger zone um, into what we would call decompression. Now, any dog that's not listening to you because they're fixated on something, that's just a problem with training. Uh, where the dog doesn't want to listen to you, doesn't know what you're asking, you've not taught them what to do. Uh, so that's, you know, that's what that is. So if you're hearing, and, and I wanted to bring this up because I started, I went down a rabbit hole and I started looking at some videos where people shot collar trainers were using this as an excuse to use a shot collar. They're literally using this as an, a reason for why they use their shot collar. And for him, he said he used it in public because of this issue with his dog. But if you see some videos in public with his dog, because it's a service dog, supposedly a service dog as well, that it's wearing a prong collar and a shot collar and is on a lead. So I'm not sure why you would need that many things to correct the dog with. But hey, um, I guess you love your ego more than you love your dog. Because he is all about trying to show off and look how good his Cane Corso is. So it's just, it's really, it's disgusting. Um, and it's really sad for the dog because the dog seems like a really nice dog. Um, but unfortunately, the dog is going to, at some point not be so lovely so um, and it's just sad uh, because this guy also has a child and he's teaching the child how to bully the dog as well uh, literally videos of um, his idea of giving um, resource guarding advice and let me clarify this guy is not a dog trainer he claims he's trained his own service dog um, he is not a dog trainer he works somewhere else so he is basically saying to, to prevent resource guarding. And this is what we've been talking about for years. We should be putting our hands in their food. We should be bothering them. We should take their food away when they're eating. We should mess with their faces and get all up in their space. And they're not allowed to have any space of their own because everything belongs to me. <sighs> this dog... So he has videos of forcing his kid to get into the crate with his Cane Corso um, with food. 
and you could tell the kid doesn't want to do it because the kid's actually nervous about this dog and is giving calming signals and the and the guy's not getting it he just keeps making his kid do this and the dog is giving calming signals it's all very uncomfortable and this advice that he's giving to people is going to get someone's face bitten off and get some dog put into uh you know the euthanasia zone this is why I wanted to talk about this today. And I know that most of my listeners, the majority of my listeners, maybe even 99.9% of my listeners absolutely do not use aversive techniques. And I'm preaching to the choir. I know that. But maybe, just maybe, there's one person that's going to listen to this. It's going to change their mind. Um, maybe that one family member you can send it to. I don't know. I, I'm just... I can't let myself get caught up in all the negativity that's being used to train dogs because it will really mess with my mental health and well-being because I love dogs and I know that they they just can't speak for themselves. And it's my job. And if I feel like I see something happening to me that's abusive and not only to me, that's not just an opinion, but if you look it up in the, in the, as a definition, you're going to see that the techniques that they use are abusive, intimidating, fear, pain, threats. Those are, those are just, I can't, I can't let myself get caught up too much. Okay. So the myth of messing with their food, please stop. Okay. So with resource guarding issues, and and some of you guys might be doing that because you're still hearing that with resource guarding issues is let's make sure that when we are feeding our dogs, we, one, we want to use enrichment techniques for feeding, take that opportunity to let them do a little nose work, a little sniffing, a little licking, a little calming, a little hunt, play, something like that, you know, so that they have an opportunity to really get enriched while eating their food, but they should be left alone when they're doing that. That's their, that's feeding their soul and their belly. Um, don't you want to be left alone when you're feeding your soul, right? If you don't give them a reason to protect their food, in other words, if you don't hover and bother them, they'll never have a reason to guard it. But when we start getting in there and pushing ourselves in and we're taking food away and we're really irritating them, they're going to start anticipating that and they're going to start guarding it. So you can see that resource guarding can be easily taught by humans following this old school advice that we absolutely do not recommend. Dogs should be left alone when eating. And it is a great idea that when your dog is eating something or chewing on something to walk by occasionally and toss something even better so that your dogs learn that humans being near create a positive association and not a negative association. So stop giving our dogs a reason to resource guard. Now, that's not saying every dog that resource guards um, is has been taught by the owner. There are some breeds that um, have the genetic capability, not mean they're going to, but it's that, that gene is there. It may or may not be expressed, but like livestock guardians, they're, enti- they're bred to guard their resource of the cattle, the sheep, livestock. So yeah. Not abnormal to to hear about a livestock guardian dog that is resource guarding. So let's make sure that that we're understanding what kind of dog we have, what those genetic proponents look like. And let's not just jump into some conclusions about why the resource guarding happens. Let's punish it out of them. They should know better. I'm big dog, blah, blah, blah. No, let's, let's truly kind of set our dogs up for success and teach them they can trust me around their food, that they don't have a reason to protect their food because I am a provider. I meet their needs. um, I respect 
their time to eat, and I respect their alone time. Or if they're in their crate and they want quiet time, I respect that. Another thing I've heard on TikTok is dogs shouldn't have their own space and quiet space. You should be able to get in their crate. You should be able to crawl over all over their bed. You should be able to get all over their stuff. You should be able to take everything from them. Who the hell made you like this God that you think you are? Why do you have to be such an asshole? Why is, is your penis so small that you have to create this kind of, you know, dictatorship in your life? And if if Brit if Brit was on this podcast today, she would have just looked at me and made me edit that out. But I'm not going to because I I need to let this one out today. I need to kind of let this one out. And you guys are you guys are my people, and I know that I can come to you. And I think I think you know what I'm feeling, and I appreciate you listening to me, um, and supporting me. Right. So and appreciate the fact that you want to better your relationship with your dog, and that's why you listen. Um, so again, you might have to take this information and give it to a friend who's following bad advice on TikTok. Uh, know that this is not necessarily directed right at my listeners because again, you guys are with me because of our positive and, uh, approach to things and relationship building. And, you know, we just, and, and we love dogs more than our ego. And that's going to be one of my new shirts. I think I'm putting together a love your dog more than your ego, more than you love your ego with maybe a prong collar on there with an X through it or something. So be kind of on the lookout for that. I like to come up with some fun snappy things like that. So at least that's a good thing that's come out of this old TikTok debacle uh, that I'm dealing with here. All right. So that's just with the resource guarding. That's Man, that's really scary because I've seen some really bad resource guarders. Um, I've seen dogs really become very aggressive whenever people don't even know food is around. So resource guarding can be very, very dangerous. Uh, It's on a wide scale of, um, you know, how bad it can be. So let's not play around with that. Always make you approaching your dog with something good or great with something even better. But you can work on things like drop it or release or even leave it for things that you need your dog to leave alone um, without having to open their mouth and pull something out of their throat for, you know, or having to go in to get something, but then your dog resource guards it. So again, it's all about developing a trusting relationship, right? Um, Okay, so there's some more opinions of your dog has to walk on your left side and cannot move out of that spot. All right, so number one, that is crap advice, and it's very old advice. Your dog does not have to walk next to you, okay? Um, Your dog does not have to walk on your left side. Um, Your dog doesn't walk in front of you to try to dominate you or be alpha. Your dog is walking in front because there are really a lot of fun, wonderful, amazing smells. Um, And that's why your dog is walking in front, and typically they want to walk faster than you, and they've also learned that they got to get that thing sniffed before you get there and pass it because then they need to follow you. Here's the thing. Dogs are not in our homes trying to take over our life. And, well, I know some of y'all are probably laughing. Oh, well, my dog's taking over my life. But what I mean is they're not trying to take over and be like dominant and alpha and, and have their way with things. Hell, they're just trying to survive every damn day in this world that is so damn crazy. I mean, y'all, this world changes every damn day for us. Our poor dogs, they, they can't. They can't switch that quickly. They're not genetically made for it. Not for this world. And so for us to think that they're coming in, that 
that we are such weak animals that they can take over. They're not trying to do that. So it doesn't matter who goes through the door first. It doesn't matter where your dog walks. As long as you teach them appropriate manners of no pulling, no tripping, keeping up, responding to verbal cues, it's fine. Right? I mean, literally I heard one guy say, you should not give your dog ever a choice on a walk. You never give them a choice on a walk. You tell them to do everything when they sniff, when they can look at another dog, when they can change direction. I, yeah, I want to give my dog permission to greet. Um, I also want to direct my dog when needed. But my dog is allowed to look at things, smell things, see people, see dogs, watch the environment. If I'm taking away that ability, then my dog is going to feel like he can't keep himself safe. And we know that being safe and feeling safe is one of the most important parts of a dog's welfare. And so if we have a dog right next to us, especially on a shorter lead, then our dog is not going to feel like they can protect themselves. And if they're in an environment that they're not comfortable with, and we don't necessarily have a secure attachment with a handler, the dog is going to have a lot of anxiety. We should be giving the dog more agency over its entire life to help cohabitate with us. Uh, Because what we're doing, we're cohabitating, and we need to be respectful of what their needs are, just like we try to help them learn about our needs. You know, we need you to potty outside. We need you to not lay on the white couch uh, with muddy paws, right? We need you to come when called. Why is it okay that we have that, but we just refuse to allow our dogs any agency or any way to explain their emotions? And this guy literally was like, you know, don't let your dog look at something and bark or look at the environment and bark. You can't give them those choices. So basically what you're saying is don't allow your dog to tell you when they're feeling uncomfortable or when they're feeling threatened. So it's like saying, don't let your child tell you that they're scared. Don't let the child tell you that they're hungry or they're lonely or they're sad or they're happy. Don't let that child show any emotion unless you ask for it. And that's kind of what people, you know, these aversive trainers are doing with these dogs. Do nothing but what I tell you. Don't give me anything that's not useful to me. And and just be there so I can look good. Not all aversive trainers, but I have to believe that if you're still an aversive trainer and you are not doing it with your ego then you're doing it because you don't have the education of another way, but there are ways to learn the better ways. And so, um, yeah, you you just, there are better ways, guys, right? We learn better, we do better. And if you don't, then you're a jackass, right? You're an asshole. Um, And you're being abusive to your dog. Um, Another one is, um, I see a lot of trainers on there talking about walking, and of course, they're putting on the prong collar. They have a shock collar. Um, but they're also using slip leads. And slip leads um, are s- still causing pressure around a dog's neck and choking them. And so they're also still hitting pressure points and nerve endings. Um, so it's real similar. This is why we kind of stopped using the Martingale collar um, to hit those pressure points because it is painful. And so we want to kind of get away from using any type of pressure on uh, pressure points. I don't know if you've ever had a pressure point hit. But for those that have tried like prong collars and be like, this doesn't hurt. Well, have someone hit your pressure point and see what happens. 
uh, because you'll be on the ground at that point. And that's what these collars do. And that's what that slip lead is doing, hitting those pressure points. So we really want to stay away from any type of item like that, anything that's restricting or tightening. So I don't even like um, the no, no pull harnesses. I don't like those because one, the dog is still pulling in them. Um, it just takes pressure off the handler but it also um, doesn't teach anything and it kind of rubs and um, you know puts pressure on the dog's chest and underarms it's not comfortable so either a flat collar or a nice uh, y-shaped harness with good padding that has a front clip or back clip that's just going to help with stability and a little strength on your end but it's not actually causing any type of pressure or pain um, on your dog now make sure that's fitted properly because if it's not fitted properly it will definitely be a um, you know an uncomfortable aversive for your dog if it's an uncomfortable harness. So uh, ask your dog if it's aversive, right? If they if they don't want to put on the harness and they know they're going for a walk but they don't want to put on the harness, then they're definitely telling you it's not comfortable. Let's get something new. I mean, if you have a dog that has a history of reactivity um, and it's been on a collar or used a collar in training, you will definitely need a harness so that we can change that association of where that leash is attached. Um, I think we talked about that in a couple other episodes in reactivity. Um, I'm sure we'll be bringing that up and talking about that again at some point. Um, And then I've seen some to where these people on walks just don't even talk to the dog. They just walk and drag the dog with them. And just, you know, change direction without telling them. I just don't understand. Guys, I, when did... I, I just can't. I just can't. I just can't. Um, I just can't. I, I think that... I'm going to be posting some more things on there. Um, hopefully, hopefully getting to some of these people that watch TikTok that they can at least find our positive content and then find other positive content and find that there are other ways. There are a lot of people, believe it or not, that have don't know that there are better ways. They don't know there's a positive way to do things because of all the lies. Um, and and it's amazing to me how many aversive trainers that use shock collars literally claim that if it's used correctly, it doesn't hurt. When the whole premise of a shock collar is to cause pain for not responding to a command, it's a punishment. All right, so instead of pinching the ear like they used to, or biting the dog, or scruffing the dog by the neck, or grabbing him by the, the muzzle, they're using a shock collar. If it didn't cause pain, it wouldn't work. And it just shocks me, no pun intended. That the people that use this literally try to claim it. And then these poor people that get dogs think that they know what they're talking about. Because they sound really convincing. And it's just really sad. So um, I highly recommend that, you know, if if you have this passion to put that positive content, make sure that that you're spreading positivity. Right? Spread that positive content. And don't spread opinions. You know, facts are best. Uh, you can definitely share your experience, absolutely, All right? But but we want to go with those facts and make sure that emotion that you have about it is the right emotion, right? So I'm upset because now I see how many people are treating their dogs in an abusive way and calling it training, and that upsets me. 
I'm not upset because this guy is wanting to argue about my profession of 27 years while he works in construction. But it's about the fact that I know people are abusing their dogs and I can't do anything about it. Um, That I feel like my reach is just not quite far enough. Even though we have listeners all over the world, I just feel like we should be doing a better job at reaching more people. And this is where I need your help. Please, if you can take five minutes, five minutes to help me battle these aversive trainers. If you can rate and review wherever you listen to our episodes or our show. If you can rate and review on Facebook, Google, um, anywhere you stream on those different streaming apps for the show. If you can rate and review. Um, Right now we're at like 4.7 stars. Um, We had a negative review from a negative trainer, from an aversive trainer who was just spouting opinions, unfortunately. But if you guys can do that, what that does is it um, allows it to show up more in the search. When people look up dog trainers, positive dog training, fear-free, it can show up and we can start reaching more people. So if you can do that, that would be fantastic. That is how you guys can help us reach more. And let's, let's try to get back in front of battling the use of abusive techniques and calling it training and making up these excuses to be a bully to these dogs. Um, I don't care the breed. Um, I don't, I don't care if it's a Cane Corso, a Malinois, a Shizu, a Yorkie, a Rottweiler, a Pitbull, a Dalmatian, a Golden Retriever, a Lab. I don't care. They're dogs with feelings and brains and we are lucky to have them and we should be so much more respectful with them Um, and we really should be kinder. So I know that was not a fun episode, guys. Um... I just, I knew that I, I needed to, I needed to share this with you and I needed to do it alone um, because Brett hates confrontation. Um, but, uh, you know, I just, I appreciate you guys. It makes me feel good to know that I can come on here and that the information that I am sharing um, is getting to some ears and getting to your ears and the support that we have is so amazing and I love you guys so much. And I so want to get us all in one room together. Um, I mean, it'd be a really, really big room, but I'm up for it, right? Um, So anyway, I appreciate you guys. And and the best way that we can really combat a lot of this is is share positive information, share scientific-based information, uh, share real information, and then just share in in the way that you communicate and how you interact with your dogs, right? That's some of the best ways is to to show. So, um, that's, that's what I got today. That's what I got. Uh, if you guys have not checked out the new, um, shops page on our website, we have some new items. Uh, anything purchased there will be directed to the podcast fund so that we can start giving you more content and, um, really trying to, to, you know, get it out there a little bit more, but can really use your help as well. So anyway, that's what I got. I know that was not a, that's not going to be one of our favorites, we know, but sometimes it's just one of those that we have to, we have to put out there. So I love you guys. I appreciate you guys. Um, If you do have questions, make sure that you shoot us an email. We love to answer your listener questions and uh, love to talk about just about anything. Stay tuned because next week we have 
um, a fear-free certified veterinarian that's going to be to talk about fear-free veterinary care. And then the following week, we're actually going to have the renowned uh, cat behavior specialist. I love her so hard. Pam Johnson Bennett is going to be on the podcast talking cats and dogs. So really looking forward to that. Uh, So anyway, that's what I got. And I hope you guys have a wonderful rest of the week.